Hello and welcome to MetPod, the official CPD podcast for Maiden Early Trust staff by Maiden Early Trust staff. In each episode, we are joined by a member of Trust staff to share their area of expertise, interest or research in the hope that it will inspire our listeners to try out something new in their own practice. I'm Chloe Bateman, a history and religion and philosophy teacher at Maiden Early School, and I will be your host for this episode of MetPod. I'm absolutely delighted today to be joined by Sean Jones, Head of Religion and Philosophy at Maiden Early School, to discuss her experiences as a Head of Department and, in particular, leading a hugely successful department which historically has had a high percentage of teachers whose specialism is in a different curriculum area to Religion and Philosophy. Leading a department with teachers whose specialisms are in different areas brings its own set of unique challenges, but it is a position that many pods have found themselves in or will find themselves in in the future. As a history teacher who has taught varying amounts of religion and philosophy in Shan's department for my whole teaching career, I know that leadership of such a department is something which Shan does exceptionally well, so it's really great to have her with us today. Shan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I was wondering if you could just start by sharing a little bit about your background in teaching and your background as a HOD. Thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. Wow. Um, I have been working at Maiden Early for nearly 10 years now. Um, I was hard for, I've been hard for seven years um, and I've led lots of different departments with teachers with a variety of backgrounds. I've also been um, an associate assistant head teacher here, helping to lead the school's new house system. Um, so I know quite a lot about the ins and outs of, of Maiden Early. I run the religion and philosophy department where all students sit the full course GCSE at the end of year 10. So we have about 270 entrants each year for the GCSE. We teach all students in years 7 to 10 and also deliver the A-level religious studies course, which consists of philosophy, ethics and religion. We currently have five full-time religion and philosophy specialists and four teachers with another specialism. Um, Last year, we had five teachers from outside of the department. The year before that, though, 10, and the year before that, 12. So I'm quite familiar with trying to help lots of different teachers to get the most out of their experience and to be a core part of the department. In this interview, um, I'm going to refer to members of my team who do not have a degree or a PGCE in the field of religious studies as teachers with other specialisms, as it's really important to recognise the value these teachers bring to the department and should not be viewed as secondary or inferior, um, which the phrase perhaps non-specialist might sort of infer. Um, I want to really raise the fact that these teachers bring so much to the team and we must use them effectively to bring the best out of every single individual. This obviously makes the leadership, though, of this group of people really, really important. You have to consider how effective you are being with your communication, the clarity of what you're expecting from your team. But it is a pleasure to to lead a department with lots of different um, teachers within it, with lots of different skills and interests. Um, The reason why I want to use the phrase teachers with other specialisms is because um, the National RE advisor called Lat Blaylock has been talking quite a lot about this. He actually wrote a research report called Teachers with Other Specialisms. And he said, I think the term non-specialist is a bit offhand. He said he's seen some amazing RE lessons taught by people with non-TRS degrees, so theology, religious studies. And I completely agree, having been leading a department with lots of different teachers within it, I've seen outstanding lessons. So it's wrong to assume that just because they don't have that specialism, that 
that they actually can't be best placed in front of our students. And, and you and, and lots of other teachers at the moment are, are prime examples of that, how great a teacher could be. In order to help them to deliver high quality teaching and learning though, you have to ensure that you are maintaining your high standards across the board, irrespective of other people's perhaps commitments and interests. Um, and feeding um, the, the spark of sort of enjoyment in the lessons I think is also key for teachers who have other specialisms. Um, since I've been HOD, the team have had many teachers with other specialisms, including maternity cover, two consecutive years where we had temporary agency members of the department, and I'm sure lots of heads of department across the trust will resonate with that and will, will have experienced that as well. Ofsted in um, 2013 said the high proportion of non-specialist teaching of RE in secondary schools remains a problem. In around a third of schools visited, a lack of subject expertise limited the effectiveness of the teaching of RE. And therefore, that is something that we must be aware of. It's not exclusive to RE at all. We have lots of teachers within the school who are, for example, physics teachers who teach maths, geography teachers teaching sociology, things like that. So it's not an exclusive issue, but there is a problem if it's not managed correctly. So it's really about considering how do you use your team to their full potential. Absolutely. What do you think is the difference about leading a department where you've got multiple teachers with different specialisms? Like, What are the benefits that you alluded to and what are maybe some of the potential challenges? The benefits are the skills that teachers bring. So, for example, we have a, a fantastic um, drama teacher at the moment and they will bring creativity to the lessons. We have a music teacher, again, thinking a little bit more outside the box of different ways to explore the key themes within our lessons. We also have the benefit of listening to different people's research. Um, if they have to teach uh, religion and philosophy, I try to ensure that the lessons are planned so that they have a little bit of time to do a little bit of reading themselves and then they can bring that to their lessons. It also is very important for the quality of the lessons because if the lessons are not planned rigorously enough, then your teachers with other specialisms might struggle to deliver it. And therefore, if they're struggling to deliver it, actually, is it as effectively planned as you thought? It should be fairly straightforward. It should be sequenced effectively so that the teacher with other specialisms can run with the sequence of work and follow it. And therefore, surely that will help students to follow it through as well. There, there are some challenges, though, um, with teachers with other specialisms. Obviously, their interests perhaps are not necessarily with religion and philosophy. You know, it's hard for me to imagine someone might not be, you know, completely <laughs> enthralled by the topics, but, but perhaps that might be the case. So that's why it's very important, I suppose, to engage them in the discussions that we are going to be talking to students about, to give them a little bit of space to do their independent research and to ask questions. I think that the best part of leading a team with lots of different teachers is having that, that open dialogue, encouraging teachers to come down and chat to me. And how did you deliver that? How about this? I've got this idea. So you can have lots of different teachers looking at the same material but reflecting slightly differently. And all those voices bring something new to the discussion. And hopefully that makes the lessons even better. Yeah, I can certainly vouch for that. Um, having been in your department for so long completely. So at the start of an academic year, obviously everyone's so busy, they're trying to get everything for their main subject ready, or trying to do your seating plans. There's so much going on. And what sort of steps do you try to put in place at the very start of the academic year to support these staff? And, and how have you found that's helped over the years? 
I think the key part is the first initial communication with that teacher. I'm aware, I taught history um, for a year as well, so I'm very aware of how daunting it can be to take on another subject. We are very pushed for time. We know our well-being is something that we need to keep reflecting on. And a simple conversation, in person ideally, but also with an email, to say that I am here for you, I'm delighted that you're part of the team, that we have all the resources available to you, I'm here to support you and help you, please see this as as a positive thing um, and that I'm experienced leading teachers with lots of different specialisms so hopefully you're you're in safe hands and I think just that initial discussion in July or whenever the timetable's kind of confirmed if that's possible that really hopefully helps to alleviate any concerns especially before the summer break if possible obviously that's not always possible sometimes timetables change in September but ideally if you can reach out touch base with that person to reassure them so that they know that I know this is daunting this is scary but um, Sean is there to support me and she's got the resources there so it's going to be okay I think that's absolutely fundamental I also like to share with the teachers the sequences of work and the lessons. Um, I've been reading quite a lot about this on the um, RE Facebook forum that I'm part of. There was quite a heated discussion, actually, about how we should lead teachers with other specialisms. On the one hand, you had somebody and a few people saying, well, they're paid as full-time teachers. They should plan and resource their own lessons. They should do their independent research. And I, I empathise with that. There is some merit to that. And we do want teachers to be using their skills as a teacher to develop their own lessons. However, what do I want from my teachers with other specialisms? I want them to deliver high quality teaching and learning. And I hopefully am the best placed person to, to develop the sequences and the content to make sure that what I want students to get out of these lessons that they can. But that gives the member of staff the ability to fully understand it and not be panicked that they have to get a lesson out there. It doesn't really matter the quality, but I just have to put something on the screen. They then can take the lesson that's there, make it their own, adapt it to their class, all of the things that really make higher quality lessons. So being able to share the resources that you have is absolutely key. And you also want the, the teacher with non, with another specialism to enjoy the delivery of, of the sequences because then the students will enjoy the lessons too and I think that's pretty key. So making anything that will make it easier for the teacher. So things like marking grids, for example, because marking quite often can be probably one of the most daunting parts of teaching outside of your specialism. So having marking grids. I have a folder as well of work that's already been marked in previous years. Using that, to sort of help you standardise your marking. These things will enable them to gain a little bit of confidence with the skills that are required, but also perhaps with the subject knowledge too. I also provide in September um, a department handbook. Um, I used to physically print this, and you can imagine with 12 non-specialists, it's quite a lot of trees. <laughs> so I'm going to, um, I've, I've gone online and I share the handbook with the team um, virtually instead. And within that, it sounds very basic, and, and I think it is, you know, leading a team with non-specialists is much like leading a team with specialists. It has to be done well, 
to get the most out of your team, whoever they are. But in the department handbook, I put a summary of the team. And this is a really basic but actually key part so that the teachers know who else is teaching that particular year group? Who else can I ask for a bit of support? And I know that a member of my team at the moment, a fantastic history teacher other than yourself, another history teacher, um, supports or is supported by another member of my team. And that's brilliant. That brings the whole team together. It's not just me and the teachers with other specialisms. It's that we're a unit. And that, again, helps to encourage consistency across the department. We also have things like DDP, Department um, Development Plans, they're within the handbook too. Any data deadlines, they're in there as well. Mark schemes, just a central place to get the information so that if the non-specialist or teacher with other specialisms is looking and thinking, oh, where where do I begin? That perhaps is a good place to start. I also make sure I have a meeting with the teachers with other specialisms on the first or second teacher training day in September. Again, to alleviate any concerns they have, to do basic things that I know as teachers, you know, we want to get right. Which colour book are we using? Which sheets do I need? Where should that sheet go? And, you know, for, for members of my team, they know that I'm pretty prescriptive with things like this. I like it all to be consistent. And I think that's really important with, with larger teams as well. So having those conversations and having a space for them to ask me what they might say is a silly question. But it's not a silly question. If they're asking it, it means I haven't shared it clearly enough. So I want to give them the opportunity to ask those questions that have been playing on their minds. So I think they're the first few things I would do in September. I think what comes through really loud and clear there is just how included you make the teachers whose specialism is in a different subject area feels as part of the department and that complete openness about you know able to come and ask you questions. But you've thought of everything it's all in the handbook and I think even you know basic things where you're struggling to get to grips with a new file like a way files organized in a department like every department seems to do that differently so the fact that you can go to that central place everything's there it's so clearly laid out but there's also the offer of help and support at that early stage is, is just so key I think to making people feel more confident to start so in terms of the academic year as it's progressing, all kinds of different um, challenges and things crop up, don't they, all through the year that maybe we wouldn't even have predicted at the start. So what sort of support do you offer to those teachers who have got the different specialisms as the year goes on? I think the key word that you said there is is support. And I like to try to remind all of the teachers in my department that The goal for everybody is that we want students to get a high quality education. So whatever interventions are put in place or whatever quality assurance I do, the the aim is to to ensure our students are getting the best deal. So I, I try to drop in on all of my teachers within the first half term, if possible, with with cover and, and COVID, that's made it slightly harder, but I, but I aim to do that. And the point of that and the purpose of that is to see, have I explained what my vision is clearly enough to the teachers? Are they following the sequences of work in the way that I had envisaged? It is all there to make sure that I am leading the team effectively. And it helps me to pick up any things that I thought I'd explained, but obviously clearly I hadn't. Things like perhaps something small like a SPAG target after assessments, or maybe I didn't explain that well enough. It helps me to pick up little things that I need to just reiterate or explain better. So drop-ins are really important. And it's really, really essential that they know that I'm going there not to critique or criticize or to judge. 
it is there so that I can see, well, I didn't do that well enough. I didn't explain that well enough. How can I support them more? And even a drop-in is there to reassure them that they are on the right track, that they are doing the things that I'm asking of them. And isn't it great that the students are getting such a good experience from you? Thank you for all the effort and time you're putting into this. I'm very aware. And and I think the same goes for any head of department where you've got teachers who are heads of year or assistant head teachers or or, or lead um, pupil premium students because they have a lot of 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 balls to juggle and therefore their their time has to be split and so reminding them and saying thank you to them for the time that they are putting in and that they are on the right lines and they're doing a brilliant job there's there's a real place for that but also putting in place any interventions that are necessary and not having not being afraid to have those slightly more difficult conversations but in the supportive way so for example a couple of years ago a teacher perhaps wasn't marking in the consistent way that we would want in the department instead of that's not right let's let's bring your books down and let's have a little look and let's mark a couple together okay so why did you think that okay that's great how about this had you thought about this let let me mark one and you see my process and it is all about um, helping to support them to, to become um, even better within this specialism. So that, that I, help, I think, helps them to grow in confidence. Before assessments as well, that's another crunch point, I think, in the year, before big assessments. Before assessments, I want them to feel confident with marking it. And it's important to know that before the assessments are done, really. It's not about taking the books in, oh, okay, now how do I mark this? <laughs> That should be the thought as the whole unit progresses, actually, because the the way it's sequenced is to get to that finish point of, of, of what should they know at the end of this sequence. So showing them some exemplar responses, encouraging them to, to, to pop down and see me. And my team are so good at that. Sean, can I quickly come down? I've got a couple of year eight books I want you to check. That is what you want. You want good discussions like that. Yes, you're on the right lines. Oh, no, maybe you're being a bit harsh. Let's have a look at these examples. And that just helps to standardize the team's marking, I suppose. We also have very regular book scrutinies and, you know, the trust have calendared them so they're all taking place. And again, it's making sure that you try to get the non-specialists or teachers with other specialist books to check that there is that consistency. It shouldn't matter whether the student is in a class with a specialist who's been teaching religion and philosophy for 20 years or if they are with um, a, a drama teacher as their specialism who's teaching RP. It should be a consistent deal, really, and that, that's the goal. So those work scrutinies are important. And I always email out after a work scrutiny to yeah. say, these are the really good things that I saw, let's all focus on. And it's never targeted at, oh, this person didn't do that. It's a whole unit and a group responsibility. We're all in this together. I know that sounds incredibly cheesy. <laughs> I am quite a cheesy person, so that's okay. Um, but you want everyone to be on the same page. I also think for for teachers outside of of our department, we want them as well to be able to manage the workload. They've got a lot of people pulling them in lots of different directions. So little emails to keep them on track. Um, Here's where I expect you to be, but if you're a couple of lessons behind or a couple of lessons ahead, that's absolutely fine. But come and talk to me so we can maybe get get you back where we want you to be. Things like data reports, um, data collection points, 
they're due in three weeks time come and sit down with me if you want me to go through a couple of them just helping to to manage their time I think is helpful for anybody regardless of 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 who they are so little emails like that just little reminders little phone calls touching base because when you ask me about some of the challenges another challenge is that they're physically not there You know, the teachers who are in your department day in, day out, you can have that quick lunchtime or, or break time chat. Where are you at with your nine? Yeah, I'm doing ecumenism. Are you? Yeah, great, fine. But you can't have that with, with teachers outside of your, your department. So that's harder. So that's why the phone calls, the emails, um, touching base is, is even more essential, I would say, making them feel like they are part of the team. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, I was just thinking when you were, were talking there about how one of my kind of fears, because I started to teach an RP straight from when I was uh, mm. NQT, and I when I found out, I was quite worried because I was thinking, I'm going to feel like a kind of add-on, mm-hmm. and I'm going to feel that there's the department and I'm just teaching this lesson, but I was really like amazed how I managed to, you know, you just made me feel like I was part of the team from the start, and I think it's, you know, when you do your emails out to everyone, even if it doesn't directly relate to the, us as the teachers of the other specialisms we're still included in it so we feel we're as informed about what's going on in our pay as we do in our own subject area and I think that's a real strength because you feel much more invested actually in the whole process of it because you know that you're a valued member of the team mm. so yeah I think I think that works marvellously that's great well I'm very very lucky to have you in the department to <laughs> be honest you. but absolutely you want everyone to feel valued and to be in on the picture yeah and not be kept from certain bits of information because you're right it might not necessarily relate to you directly but it's very important that you know what's going on in the department as a whole to feel valued and part of it absolutely so just to end then I was wondering what was your key piece of advice be to any pod who was leading a department maybe for the first time where they've got these multiple staff with different specialisms in Mm. I think you have to firstly reflect on what you would like the department to be like you have to have a clear vision of if I were to drop in to lots of different lessons for your subjects, what do I want to see? Having that clarity of your expectations is key. And the same works for, for with your students, being clear about what you expect. If you have no idea what you expect or what you want, that will not appear, will it? So being clear <laughs> with your team and, and with yourself about what do I want my department to look like. So for me, I want my department to give lessons that inspire young people, to be respectful young people, to question things, be good at debating and discussing, and to have an environment that feels safe when they are discussing their views and beliefs. That That's my kind of bigger vision, I suppose. So being clear of what you want. Also being very, very transparent with any expectations for marking, deadlines, data. Be very clear. So for example, we have our data collection points and we have the behaviour codes. I expect a minimum of one in each column, but ideally I'd like most of my team to be putting two strengths and two areas for development. That would be my ideal. And being really crystal clear about that expectation because I'm so fortunate with the people that I work with. We all work in a fantastic trust. We want to give the students the very best. And so if they are informed, if the teachers are informed about what you want, they will do it. Yeah. They want to do it. They want to do a good job. So it's just being clear with them about what ideally you would like. Also thinking about encouraging 
the teachers themselves to do drop-ins on other members of the team or myself even it is daunting to take on another subject and to think well what should that look like in practice we'll come and see it We're, we're a very open door kind of department and I want to encourage that and continue that and so seeing other teachers teach it I think is also really important Making sure the resources are good quality is probably my top tip because if you know that they have good quality resources, they will then feel confident that they can have a little read of those resources, become confident with the subject knowledge, then be able to deliver it effectively and then their confidence will continue to grow and then hopefully halfway through the year-ish they will feel like, oh I can maybe adapt that, maybe I'll add a little bit of drama because that, that would work for this particular bit or I'll add that that particular conflict that I know about from my history knowledge because that works for this particular unit yeah. and they'll start to feel that they're part of this and they're part of the creative process of making these lessons as effective as, as they can be. I've got a very cheesy quote to end, I'm very <laughs> sorry. But um, Steve Jobs said, management is about persuading people to do things they don't want to do, while leadership is about inspiring people to do things they never thought they could. And I think leading a team with lots of teachers, with different responsibilities or other specialisms, it's absolutely crucial that we inspire them to want to be the best teacher that they possibly can in that field, even though it might feel a little bit challenging and outside of their comfort zone. We want them to be inspired to be a great religion and philosophy teacher, even if perhaps that's not their training. And the way to inspire them, I suppose, is to support them as much as you can. Make them feel valued. And I've put here, never underestimate a little phone call or a Christmas card or a little chocolate to say thank you at Easter. But I genuinely value every member of my team and I hope that they know that. And as a result of that and that value and hopefully that support that they can see coming from me, every single year I have teachers saying, I was really daunted by that. To be honest with you, I didn't want to teach it. I was really scared, but I really loved it. And that is the best feedback I could possibly want as as a a middle leader, as a leader of of a big department is that the team are happy yeah. and and that's the goal at the end of the day. I was going to say thank you so much. So incredibly practical where it's not just like, the, I mean, there's so many practical tips there, but it's also really inspiring to hear you talk about it with such enthusiasm for what some people might see as a challenge. But obviously it is a challenge, but you've taken it as something that will help you grow as well as a leader, it feels like. Mm. And I just think the way you speak about how you want the staff who've got those different specialisms to enjoy teaching the subject area it really makes me just think of the word empowered you want them to feel Mm. empowered to be the best teacher they can be and I just think that's really wonderful so Sean thank you so much it's been absolutely wonderful a pleasure to have you on MetPod I hope that everyone has enjoyed listening to this as much as we have enjoyed recording it and don't forget that it is the Trust Conference Day on Friday the 11th of February so really hope you have made your choices of which sessions you'll be attending and Hope you have a fantastic day engaging with some of the brilliant CPD that we have here in the Trust.